funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. video this is jonathan and jacob this is our second attempt at an introduction because our last one was deemed too dark anyway um jacob how are you doing in kentucky how are things going uh you're ready to get out of there you're on the cusp of being released from the uh from the den of hillbillies that is the blue state or bluegrass state uh, how's it going uh you know I've, I've been better uh but i am good to i'm glad to be uh on the cusp as you say of leaving this uh this hellhole, uh, I can say that because I was born here, um, and uh, yeah, uh, it just just a <laughs> your first introduction was. Uh, <laughs> I really wish we would have kept it in, because for our listeners who will probably never hear this, uh, Jonathan was literally like, "Hello, welcome to the show. The world is on fire. <laughs> fuck me. Fuck There's you." There's no reason to rehash. There's no reason to rehash. <laughs> It was really kind of incredible, and I wish we would have kept it in. But, you know, uh, cooler heads prevailed, and, uh, yeah, we're here. So, I don't know. I'm good. Hey, what about it's you? Been a, it's been a while since we put a little uh, a little nugget of fun, if you will, at the end of the episode after the music plays. So maybe it'll find its way down there for those of you that care enough to click past the outro music. Maybe you're here. Maybe you won't. Yeah, I don't know. I guarantee you. I guarantee you uh, <laughs> three people – We'll wait to hear it, and then we'll, you'll forget to put it in, and so they'll have waited for nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm fine. You know, I am still trying to recover from my long, amazing trip to Iceland, and it occurred to me last week. I barely even I don't even think I said anything about Iceland because we spent so long talking about it before we recorded. But I had a couple of movie, uh, little little movie nuggets, if you will. That's my second time using the word nugget. I don't know why. Um, anyway, so I go to Chick-fil-A uh, that this. I wanted, what was that? I said, I should go to Chick-fil-A after this. <laughs> Do they have Chick-fil-A up in your neck of the woods? There's, it's funny you say that there's one Chick-fil-A between like here and like Vegas. Like, wow. like yeah, there's a Chick-fil-A, but it, I trust me, brother. It is the only one for miles. When I lived in Seattle, they built one. Uh, and an open one, I think, in Bellevue. And uh, it was fucking busy, dude. It was so busy all the time. And I used to tell people, just to be an asshole, I'd be like, man, your liberal ideals certainly didn't stop you from sitting in line for that chicken sandwich, did it? <laughs> dude, I've actually got a funny story. I, uh, I One time I woke up, uh, this is when I was a nurse, and I was just like working just like all the time. And like, I wasn't paying attention to current events. And I woke up at like, you know, like 11 o'clock in the morning and and I uh, went to Chick-fil-A, and Chick-fil-A is always busy. But, like, this time it was, like, really busy. I mean, like, there was, like, I mean, just just a line of cars. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And so, you know, of course, what was I going to do? Not get, you know, my lovely chicken sandwich? And so I waited in the line, sure. And then when I got up to the thing, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Why are all these people here? And he was like, um, I'm not really allowed to say anything, but uh, Mike Huckabee called for a national, like, go to Chick-fil-A day to, like, support the business or whatever. And I was like, God damn it. Like, 
I unwittingly. So you, yeah, like you I were unwittingly supporting part- my Huckabee. Yeah, like I did. I unwittingly participated in like literally like anti-gay like day of the year. Like I was so mad, but uh, you better believe I <laughs> ate that chicken sandwich. Uh, that's funny. Uh, I I hate Chick Fil A. Even before I was vegan, I thought they were overrated and terrible. Um, but I know I'm in the minority because a lot of people love Chick Fil A. Yeah, so, here we go with the vegan talk, folks. Just uh, just no. I'm fast I, forward I, past. I, I don't have any. I don't have anything else to add. I'm just saying, unlike you, I'm not like a hardcore Mike Huckabee supporter. So <laughs> hey, um, guilty as charged. What would happen so, to Mike Huckabee? I'm surprised. I'm surprised COVID didn't take him out. Is he still alive? God, it would have been nice if he died, but I think he's still alive. That's parody, by the way. You can't sue us or anything. Yeah. Anyway, so listen, guys. I went to a waterfall in Iceland, and uh, it is where the opening of Prometheus took place, and it was very cool. And I didn't even know that. Until I got there, because I had heard my buddy, who's a big Prometheus fan, one of the few, I feel certain, (laughs) uh, told me about that waterfall. And I got there and like we're looking at it and we're in awe of it and it's beautiful and it's the most powerful waterfall in all of Europe. And I hear these two tourists talking. I mean, we're tourists, too, but I hear these other two tourists talking and they were like, hey, you know, they shot Prometheus, the beginning of Prometheus here. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is the waterfall. So then I Googled it and confirmed and all that. But uh, anyway, the waterfall's name is Dedifoss. And uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. So, um, God, you know, I was going to make a joke of like, did you, you know, do what they did in Prometheus? But I don't even remember what they did in Prometheus. What does the guy do? Doesn't he like cut it? Doesn't he like cut his wrists or something or bleed or what, what happened? Yeah, didn't he like, didn't he like dump? the juice that would become like the xenomorphs or something into the water. I've literally only seen Prometheus once. Um, yeah. It's something like that. And then he, but I think he cuts his wrist or something and drops his blood in there and then he drinks the juice or something. I don't know. There's yeah. I don't, I don't remember what happens at the beginning, but I remember that just that naked motherfucker just standing on the the edge of that waterfall. And it it did look cool, man. You got to hand it to Ridley on that one. He does every once in a while, man, he pulls out some just insane images that just like, imprint on your brain yeah uh because honestly like i i just i guess i should rewatch prometheus but there is i I remember very little about it i'm a big fan of alien covenant though Uh, yeah i need to watch that i keep hearing it's good you've never seen it no 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 damn dude no alien covenant rocks this is the one from like Uh, four years ago this one like 2017 right yeah, it's like Danny McBride's in it for no reason, and it's awesome. Right. Yeah, no, I have a, I, I need to watch it, yeah. Uh, the other thing that I got to see is uh, a pipeline that was featured in the movie The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the remake that Ben Stiller did, which I'm a big fan of. And actually recently rewatched it, so the images were fresh in my mind. So that was pretty cool. Uh, there was a couple of shots that they used from Iceland, and then he also went to Greenland in that movie. And uh, by the way, I saw Greenland from from obviously the sky. I saw a really good, clear picture of Greenland. Dude, that place is nothing but fucking ice. It was crazy how much ice there was. Hey, Greenland is covered in ice, and Iceland is very nice. Wow. Uh, well done. <laughs> Don't you know um, from Mighty Ducks? Uh, not really. And I'm ashamed because I'm a big Mighty Ducks fan. You don't remember that? I can't believe you don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember uh, Gordon Bombay meets the 
the woman from I think she's from Iceland, and he's like, he's like Iceland. Ugh, sounds like a brutal place. And she's like, no. She was like, Greenland is covered in ice, but Iceland is very nice. And he's like, oh. And then they go back and they fuck. I don't think that second part happened. No, it does. It does. I mean, they don't show it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just implied. Yeah, yeah. It's it's heavily implied that Gordon is just getting, you know, just Iceland dome while he's coaching his kids to like the world championships or whatever, you know. Anyway, um, so no, I don't think it was implied. I don't think any intercourse or oral sex or whatever your your little pervert brain has thought of happened in the Mighty Ducks. They were a pure people. It's a pure movie. Don't tarnish it with your Alfred Hitchcock level of perviness. <laughs> um, hey, speaking of kids movies uh, with really oh hot God. actresses, have you seen uh, Have you seen The Big Green? Did you ever watch that movie? The bit, the soccer movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched it, yeah. Dude, I watched that movie so much as a kid, and I watched it, I rewatched it when it came on Disney+, Plus. back when Disney+, Plus was like, new you know a couple years ago or whatever steve gutenberg is so fucking horny for that british teacher like he's out of control man he's like essentially one of those like cartoon dogs from you know the old cartoons like he's yeah it's insane i don't know if you have i don't know if you've seen it lately but it's incredible like he is just like he's essentially begging to be just domed by this woman you know um it's it's a great i haven't i haven't seen it lately and i don't know how we got here but anyway it's a goddamn movie podcast we're talking about movies yeah we were talking about cool things in iceland that were featured in movies and all of a sudden you're talking about somebody getting dome and mighty ducks so yeah, i don't it's, know it's called the rhythm of conversation okay uh god we're like 11 minutes in um <laughs> <laughs> so listen that's good you're, watched... you're usually exasperated with me by like minute 59 so this is good uh no 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 exasperation here uh i yeah i watched a movie that i text you about and you kind of flew by my text and didn't comment uh but it's a movie on netflix uh with jamie fox in it who i have become more of a fan of over the last year or so more than i used to be but it's called day shift and uh i was looking forward to it i saw the trailer a couple of months ago and it's really my speed a funny ensemble cast vampires violence blah 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 but anyway it was pretty entertaining like i'm not gonna say it was it was like i can't say necessarily say it was good but jamie fox was funny dave franco was funny and uh all they do is kill vampires yeah i the reason i skated by it is because i literally had never heard of this movie um didn't know it existed and uh but yeah hey i'm glad you enjoyed it you know um why don't you know what existed it's just it's it's a movie that comes out on net that came out on Netflix with Jamie Foxx in it. I don't know, like do you you're on Twitter? How does Twitter not talk about something like that? I don't know, man. It just yeah, it's just one of those I mean, I'll tell you where I probably would have seen it is like on the Netflix like uh you know, screen when you like turn on Netflix and it's like top ten of Netflix or whatever. And like, you know, usually like I'm sure I probably would have seen it on there, but I have canceled my Netflix subscription and I've elevated to a higher plane. Uh, and so, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm out of the loop, man. I don't know. Netflix movie, uh, you know, I, don't, I just, I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not plugged in anymore. You know, it's impossible for you to be on a higher plane because you still use Twitter. So I don't want to hear it. <laughs> um, so 
Anyway, yeah, I well, use Twitter was... for the good of the podcast, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it I is. Put in, I still I have put it. in work to promote this podcast. Meanwhile, you're like, oh, I'm above it all. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm above Twitter because that would sound pompous, but Twitter, but Twitter can rot in hell. Um, anyway, so the movie's not bad. Honestly, uh, it's literally a a vampire movie, like where they slay vampires. Snoop Dogg is in it and he's really funny. The CGI is terrible and it's such a thin, typical Netflix movie that the only reason it was able to stay afloat despite its awful script and awful CGI is the fact that Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco were really funny in it. And then I read that Jamie Foxx would only sign on to do the movie. If Dave Franco co-starred with him. What the hell? Yeah, dude. He was like, look, cause you know, everybody, knows, for those of you that don't know, Jamie Foxx is multi-talented. He's, he can, he can act drama comedy. He does stand up. He does music. He can direct. Um, sketch comedy imitations. The guy can do a lot, which is why I'm starting to like him more because I'm realizing that he is more talented than I was giving him credit for. But he was like, I'm kind of a comic snob and I had been tracking Dave Franco for for years. I thought he was really funny. So when this movie came up, I was like, no, I want him to be in this like comic relief sidekick kind of role. And it worked. Dave Franco's hilarious. I think I think he's really funny anyway. So Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I thought I that never, was interesting. I never thought there would be like that. That seems like such a an unlikely, not an unlikely pairing in a movie, but just like an unlikely thing that Jamie Foxx would be like. I'm a big Dave Franco guy, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, not just that, but like I've followed him for years. Right. Like, yeah, it's just really weird. Well, I uh, have a uh, I have a blood oath against Dave Franco because he's married to Allison Brie. That's just a personal thing with me. But uh, but yeah, he is a very talented guy. I did watch his movie he directed with her in it, and it actually wasn't bad. Hmm. I don't know. What's it called? It's called The Rental. Yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah, it's just about a guy who, like, films people that rent his property and, like, murder them and, you know, just does weird shit with them. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the movie. What about uh, what about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? You texted me that you had seen this. Um... Let's, yeah, let's, it's let's funny. Get a theater report going. What? How was that? It's funny because I really wanted to see it, not because I'm a no offense to any Gen Z listeners, but not because I'm a Gen Z fan uh, or, or any of that. But uh, I thought the I thought the trailer was really good, and I thought that it looked funny, and I love satire. It and it kind of gave me Spring Breaker vibes a little bit. Hmm. Now clearly it's not going to be on the same level as spring breakers. Like that's probably not going to happen. And it didn't happen, but it's an a 24 movie. So I was like, whatever. So I went and saw it. It was really funny. It missed the mark sometimes on what I would call like bat biting satire because the movie, in my opinion, and, and I actually read an interview with the director, Helena rain. I don't know how you say her last name. She is Dutch. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is funny because I've done nothing but talk shit about the Dutch for like the last three weeks. I don't know why. Well, but anyway, so uh, yeah, clearly no one likes the Dutch, but I mean, that's beside the point. So yeah, it's like, are you German? Are you French? Are you Scandinavian? Like pick a fucking side. Yeah. And not, not to be like the Netherlands in general, whatever. Yeah. Um, Absorb so... the Netherlands into, <laughs> into um, there, there are three countries. Or there, there should be three things. There's France, 
and then there's Germany, and then there's Scandinavia, and the Netherlands and Belgium should be divided up into one of those three territories, right? They just like, you know, pick your sides and just those those countries should no longer exist, you know. Well, I don't know about that, but I think that's a conversation for a different time and a different podcast. I don't think it is. Let's dig into it. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, I listened to her talk and I was not happy with what she had to say in terms of like, uh, in terms of a, a how she wanted people to feel about her characters and her movie. Um, because the movie, it, it's got good pacing. It's very short. It's an hour and 35 minutes. So everything kind of rock, you know, it's rocking and rolling for most of the time. There's never really a lull. The characters are legitimately funny, but the problem with the film, and I could be, I could be off. This is just my opinion. So if you've seen it and you have a difference of opinion out there, let us know, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram, any of that shit. Um, is the fact that the movie does a poor job of condemning the stupidity and self-entitlement because all these kids are rich of the characters. Like oh. Spring Breakers did a phenomenal job of condemning what they were doing, like what, what the movie was about. The movie was a condemnation into itself. Um, but with this film, it's with this movie, it's like, yeah, you made us laugh, but you never really pointed out that these these girls are toxic and they're evil and they've got some serious psychological issues and the movie doesn't really in my opinion tackle that with a lot of nuance um there's some really funny terms thrown around that they get caught out on for which i thought was funny this one girl told pete davidson who was fucking hilarious in this movie I, he i laughed at everything he said um she said you're gaslighting me and he's like, oh, great. You know that fucking word because you have fucking Twitter. That's the only reason you know the word. He's like, <laughs> you don't have an original thought in your head. That word is just fucking stupid. Anyway, he, he kind of goes off on that. And that was pretty funny. Um, but I mean, they use a lot of terms that uh, I guess, uh, quote unquote, woke Gen Zer would use. And uh, sometimes there's mockery and sometimes there's not. But uh the movie's funny, man, but there's nothing deep there. I do think she's a flawed writer, especially with her with her take on her own characters. I think that she maybe doesn't fully understand what she was trying to do in the movie. I think that's probably the most that's probably the biggest thing is like after hearing her talk, I don't think she really understood what she was trying to accomplish. Interesting. Okay. But the movie's funny. I got anybody that say, hey, should I watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies? Absolutely. It's hilarious. You will laugh your ass off. And like they never, it never, it really is grating spending time with these characters. Cause I've seen some reviews where people were like, yeah, it was a little grating spending 90 minutes with these characters. But it's like, well, yeah, it's not grating if you understand what they're, what they are. Like they're caricatures essentially. So whenever you embrace that, you're just going to laugh at the stupid shit. You're not going to bother judging them. You're just going to be like, it's funny. And that's kind of what I did to keep from looking at it from like a deeper, on a deeper level. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's also funny to me that like, yeah, the Gen Z connection is, um, you know, it, it, I mean, essentially it's a marketing tool, right? Like it's like none of these actors, I don't think are, are Gen Z and like, obviously nobody who wrote it uh, or directed it as Gen Z. So it's like, it's kind of like the euphoria thing where it's like it brings up a lot of conversations about the way that 
that Gen Z is or whatever. And it's like, bro, like this is, these are, this is like elder millennials take on Gen Z, right? There's no, like, this is, this, this movie, these, this movie has nothing to do with like actual Gen Z in the same way that Euphoria doesn't have anything to do with, you know, actual Gen Z. Like it's written by a guy, like a, a Jewish Hollywood guy in his fifties, you know, like this is not, uh, you know, but, but it's interesting to see like, okay, well, like, what do you do with that? Right. Like, what do you like now that we know, like you said, like these are caricatures, this is not some kind of real depiction of, you know, of like the younger generation, like, okay, well, what is that? You know, what do you do with that? It's similar to the way Noah Baumbach tackled, um, kind of millennial hipsterdom in uh that movie with uh uh while we're young you know remember that movie? oh yeah yeah ben stiller and adam driver yeah, yeah and it's funny because that's i think you know bombach is you know i think a, a good director but i think that's one of his least uh his least uh rewatchable movies or least movies that hold hold up because it's like dude this is like you're completely like this is this is a gen x's guy's version of of this world you know and like um yeah i don't know it's interesting to think about that because it is it's a24 is like marketing this as some kind of like hip gen z comedy and it's like nobody involved in this movie is like of that ilk like this is just complete uh fabrication and caricature which is fine there's nothing wrong with that right like it doesn't have to be a documentary of gen z but it's just I don't know. It's kind of really funny how movies get marketed and how they get made, you know, because you have a lot of people who will talk about euphoria of like, are the kids all right? Is this really how Gen Z is? And it's like, no, it's a TV show on HBO. Like it's fucking fake. Like nobody, you know, like it's not a documentary. Well, it's funny because uh, before I get, before I say one more thing about bodies, 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 I'll say about the guy, the creator of euphoria, you know, he's had to defend himself several times by saying, no, I'm not just writing sex scenes and stuff for these young women to do so I can watch. Like he's done, he's he's had he's had to like talk about this a lot. I just saw a a a, a poster for his new thing he's doing on Netflix or somewhere, and it's literally a girl surrounded by dudes, and it's like the dark side of Hollywood. And one of the dudes is choking her, and it's clear that they're all engaging in some type of orgy. And that's the poster for the movie. And it's like, so you're telling us that you don't write these so you can watch it, but this is your new, like, what are you fucking like Ryan Murphy? Cause like Ryan Murphy has been the guy known for like American horror story and all that shit. And he's known for like all the kinky shit he puts on camera and the weird sex stuff and all that. But it's like, I think they're in some type of competition for who wants to put more stuff on camera. It was just hilarious. Right. No, it's I, that's, I know what you're talking about. That's the Netflix show with the weekend, right? Or no, no. Is it Netflix or is it HBO? I'm not sure. I I just saw the poster. I saw the poster and it, and it was his new thing. That's all I know. Yeah, I think it's on HBO. I think it's a new HBO series on on uh, with the weekend in it. Um, but yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. And like, you know, I, I, honestly, like I'm all for it. Like, I don't watch Euphoria, but like, I feel like I absorb it like culturally. You know, just like people talking about it and whatever. And like, I mean, sure, man, go for it. Like, you know, if you want to be a big pervert, like you know, movies are pretty sterile and sexless now, you know what I mean? Like we could use some, we could use some more perversion at the movies. Like, um, but what I hate is I hate is the, the chatter against it about how like this guy makes this like raunchy movie. There's something wrong with him. Like, and it's like, dude, come on. Like guy's just a pervert, just like the rest of us. And he gets to, 
The only difference is his dad was Barry. Wasn't his dad uh, Barry Levinson? Yeah, his dad's Barry Levinson, and so like he, he has the connections to be able to put, to put his perverted fantasies on screen, unlike the rest of us, you know. Yeah, I mean, also like, who cares? Like, not only that, but like, come on, he's a working director in Hollywood. Of course, he's a pervert. Right, right. Yeah, all these Hollywood people are disgusting, you know. Uh, but in terms, of, the last thing I'll say about bodies, bodies, bodies is this is a bit of a spoiler, but I don't think it's a spoiler. But it is a gray area, so if you if you if you plan on watching it, I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, so you tell me if you want me to say this. Oh no, 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 let's hear it. I don't care. Okay. Well, we know that it's about people dying, but this is not a slasher movie. This is a a horror comedy whodunit. This is not a slasher movie whatsoever. So if that's what you're expecting, don't be expecting it. Anyway, uh, the movie starts with with the the, the male characters dying first, and. In the interview, she was talking about how she wanted to get the male characters out of the way, like the death of toxic masculinity. And I thought that was really funny because this entire group of people were toxic. They were they were so toxic to each other and to the world. So these girls who were really fucking hilarious and did a great job, one in particular had me laughing my ass off the entire movie. Um, but they were super toxic. More so, and I'm not going to get into any character traits just because that is a lot more spoiler, but like more so than maybe something that happened to one of the dudes. And I just thought that was really funny because it's like, I don't know what, I just don't know to in what context she means all this because it really reframed how I was looking at her movies, her character, her movie, her, her writing because of the stuff she was saying. So it's like, what are you fucking talking about? Sometimes I feel like these people, she's 42, by the way. So sometimes I feel like she, or 46. I feel like these people will say things that they think the Gen Z audience wants to hear mm. because, oh, they're not going to see through the fact that what I just said is probably bullshit. Of course not. They're just going to hear buzzwords and be like, yeah, lady, you got our back. It's right, <laughs> just like, right. whatever, man. Like the movie's funny. Fuck it. Who cares? Right. Like it's no, I see what you're saying. It's like, um, no, I feel like there's another, um, I, the, the one that comes to mind is, um, uh, I guess, Olivia Wilde uh, for, like, you know, if you don't see uh, Booksmart, you're, like, sexist or whatever. And it's like, bro, Booksmart is just a good movie. Like, you know, like, it's just it's just a good movie. Like, that's it. Like, can we just have the good movie? Like, they're, like, some of these, like, newer artists are really bad at, like, talking about their work, you know, and, like, positioning them. And I think it's probably all because of marketing and PR. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like we're, this is a deep dive interview with like David Lynch in Cinemascope, you know, or like Catherine Bigelow, you know, or like, you know, this is just, this is just PR shit. And so, you know, really what they say, what they say can't be trusted in the same way that like the Russo brothers say that like, you know, the winter soldier is like three days of the condor. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, this is all like, this is just all pandering. This is just all, you know, like, pandering to the letterboxed crowd you know um pandering to people who don't know any better you know and assuming that people don't know any better you know um but it, what's interesting to me is and obviously we will stop talking about this because it's not that interesting in general but i don't know the the white lotus which i think is a pretty good show like it's i, I like the writer mike white i think it was it's a fine show like it's it's fine tv right like but like I heard someone say about the white Lotus, like say what you want about this show, but 
whoever wrote all this certainly read a lot of articles. You know, like that's <laughs> like that's how this sounds. Like the bodies, bodies, bodies. I haven't even seen it, but like even bringing up gaslighting in your movie, it's like, oh, this person certainly has read some think pieces. You know, like and uh, I, like I'm just allergic to that shit. Like even if they're making fun of the overuse of the word gaslighting, I'm just like my brain checks out, and I'm just like it makes me think of Twitter and it makes me think of the internet, and I'm like. I'm not here to think about any of that shit. Like, can we just get some cinema going? Can we just get some kills or some sex or some, you know, can we just get something going that's movie related, you know? Yeah, that's exactly why, like, I'm a little confused on her, on on what her intent was. But like I said already, I don't care because I spent an hour and a half laughing at the stupid shit they would say, at the stupid excuses they would make at the fact that they're all failing to realize how self-entitled they are because they're wealthy. Like the movie makes it a point to say they're all rich. Like there's even a line where it's like, well, me, me, her and her are rich, but like you and him are like next level rich. Like, so it's just really funny to laugh at this because there's just this genuine lack of self-awareness. And like, honestly, I was laughing. My wife and I were laughing at parts where nobody else was laughing at. And I don't know why, because I thought it was all hysterical and maybe that wasn't the point. I don't know, but, at at what I'm saying is if even if you don't identify with a lot of this, even if you're a millennial or whatever the fuck label you go by in terms of your generation, you're still gonna find it funny just from a movie that's funny because these characters are stupid and right. you get to watch them fuck around for an hour and a half. Right, so. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really like at the end of the day, like I mean, let's be real, the most important thing. Like who gives a shit about any of that other shit? Like you said, like if you're laughing, who cares? You know? Yeah, and that's exactly why Booksmart worked. I love Booksmart. It was in my top 10, not because I was like, oh man, I got to see this. This is like the the girl woman version of Superbad. Like I can really, it's like, no, I saw it because those two, those two leading ladies were fucking hilarious and the cast was hilarious. And that's why the movie worked. I didn't go in there to get a lecture on feminism or for, I didn't have some epiphany in the movie theater. Like, you know what? women are as smart as men. Like I just, I just, I just enjoyed the fucking movie because that's what you're supposed to fucking do is just enjoy the movie. And it's hard to take, it's hard to take the, what the, it's hard to take what the creators are saying at face value because on the one hand, like for instance, like this, this, the bodies, 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 or even Olivia Wilde, when she said like, if you don't go see this movie, you're sexist or whatever. Like, it's like, okay, like, a, like, do you really believe this shit that you're saying? Or B, are you just trying to get people in the door, right? And, like, on the one hand, I get it. I respect the hustle. You got to do what you got to do. You made a movie that, you know, costs a lot of money, and you've got to do whatever you can to try to get people in the door. But on the other hand, it's like, can you just not be completely full of shit for, like, you know, a, a small percentage of the time? Can you act like an artist instead of a a marketer, you know, like, and it's hard to distinguish which is which, like you said, with the, the bodies, bodies, bodies. It's like, I don't even know how to interpret what she's saying here. Is this just, is she just saying we got toxic masculinity out, out of the way in order to like get people to watch it? Because that, that is a legitimate marketing tool nowadays, which is you're a bad person. If you don't watch this movie, you know, like watching this movie or consuming this content is in and of itself virtuous because it is, politically on the right side or whatever and you know that 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 gets it doesn't you know it's not going to turn your movie into the avengers but it gets it gets butts in the seats you know like 
And but so yeah, it's like I see what you're saying, where it's like hard to take at face value of like, all right, do you really believe this shit that you're saying, or is this just the publicist like you got to hit these talking points so we can, you know, get, you know, get as many people to see this as possible, you know? Yeah. And also, I mean, I think if you're a filmmaker and you find yourself in the position where you're having to guilt your audience into going to see your movie, you've made an error. So, I mean, I, 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 I do agree with you completely, but it's also like, yeah, times are tough, man. You got to do what you got to do. You got to play the game sometimes, you know? So I, but I do agree with you. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Like I would rather, the filmmakers yeah i like like i said like act like an artist you know what i mean like you know you are one whether you like it or not like you know but anyways i don't know i feel like if i was a director making a movie now if i was trying to pitch to the audience i'd just be like if you don't go see this movie you're homophobic you're racist (laughs) right and (laughs) you endorse you you endorse nazi views if you don't go see this movie right okay yeah You gotta do what you gotta do, man. Get him, get him in the door. You know that's all that matters. Uh, so anyway, uh, I don't think we have anything else before we get to the movie of the week. Did you have anything else? I watched uh, Rounders. Holy shit! How did you not tell me that you watched one of my favorite movies of all time? I was saving it. I was saving it for the pod. Wow. You should have mentioned that ten minutes ago. I would have found that much more interesting than me droning on about bodies, bodies, bodies. What did you think? Um, yeah, it's, it's actually funny. And one of the reasons why I didn't lead with it is just because, like, I, I don't have anything to add. Like, it's a great movie. Really enjoyed it. You know, like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of thoughts about it. Like, it was just great. Like, I was just like, damn, I really should have saw this earlier. Like, it's one of those movies that I feel like a lot of people our age, especially a lot of guys our age, saw at a formative time in their life, and I just. I just skipped over it. I just never, it never came into my orbit. And um, I saw somebody talking about it somewhere and I was like, oh man, I got to watch this. And uh, so I watched it and it was, it was great, man. Uh, it, it was great. Ed Norton as the, um, you know, the slimy best friend who gets Matt Damon in a lot of trouble. Um, the, the absolutely bonkers Malkovich accent was, I mean, that was worth the price of admission by itself. Um, but but yeah, it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. I don't even really have a lot to say about it. It's uh, It was great. Yeah, dude, I, I kind of borderline worship that movie. I remember, um, you know, when the big poker craze hit after Chris Moneymaker won the World Series and showed the world that a bumpkin moron could become a millionaire in a matter of hours. Um that kind of shifted the landscape and poker kind of took over and I clearly died down over the years, but I got into, I got into, I think rounders came out like 99. I got into poker around 2001 and that movie became like everything. Like, Oh, you got this movie. Like I would watch it on fucking repeat. I'd be playing in a tournament online. Cause obviously I had to like use someone else's like my brother or something. Cause I, you have to be 18 or older to make an account, but you could play for real money online before the government shut it down. And I would just watch it on fucking repeat, dude, in between tournaments. Because some tournaments could take you anywhere from like six hours to 30 hours, depending on how big the tournament was. And, uh, dude, that movie, I've seen it. I swear to God, I've seen that movie a hundred times. It's just, yeah, it's 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 next level for me. I'm glad you liked it, though. Yeah, it was great. And it felt like it felt like one of those things where it was just like, oh, I can see why watching this in your 20s, you know, or or in your teens or something would like, begin a new obsession because it's so cool you know matt damon is just like 
he's essentially doing goodwill hunting but like playing cards you know and he's just like if you're smart enough you can dominate everybody playing cards and like i can totally see why being younger and be like all right i'm obsessed with poker now that's how it is you know like it's uh and it, it did there was a huge poker craze i feel like people forget about that in like the early 2000s it was like world series of poker on espn you know and all that shit and um yeah it was great man it was great i really enjoyed telling it. you man as, as as soon as chris moneymaker won the world series as like a moron no offense to him but he was not the brightest bowl but he won the world series he beat out the pros it was a huge thing it'd be like if It'd be like if you were on, if you beat Michael Jordan one on one, and like that just set it off. Then everybody was like, "Oh fuck yeah, I'm going to spend ten G's to buy into this tournament for a chance to make, you know, eight million dollars or some shit." So right, like I uh, like I regularly beat my like circle of five friends, so like I'm gonna, you know, take my chances at the big table, you know. Oh yeah, dude! Like first prize went from like a few million to one point. I think first prize was twelve million because of how many buy-ins there were. So let's see. And there's something and like, I also kind of don't understand it, which is always that that to me makes a great movie where you kind of have to learn along the way. Like it's like Michael Clayton, like it's a great movie because I'm not a corporate lawyer, you know, and he's taken me into a world that I don't that I don't know about. And like, that's kind of how I felt about rounders. Like I know how to play poker. I know what Texas Hold'em is. You know, I played it before with friends, you know, blah, blah, blah. But like, this is a next level, you know, this is like, no, there are, there are ways to win this. There are, it's not just the luck of the cards, you know, there's real skill. And I walked away from the movie being like, wow, I have no idea what the fuck makes a good poker player. Like, I don't, you know, it was like, it was like taking you into a world that is just completely above and beyond what you normally experience where it's like, you know, somehow you can just look at a guy and know that he's bluffing. And it's like, dude, that, that might as well be a fucking superpower. You know, like that might as well be Jordan dunking the ball from the free throw line, as far as I'm concerned, you know? And so it's really cool to like get lost in those, in those worlds and be taken inside them. Um, yeah. Yeah, dude. One, it was still one of my favorite all time scenes of any movie is, uh, is him telling the story to Totoro about, uh, staring down Johnny Chan at the, uh, at the table, man, that was uh, so fucking good. Love right, Totoro with a great performance too. Very like understated. Um, I mean, great cast in general. Um, oh yeah, dude, like that movie, like that dude. When he's talking about you, little punk, he's like, I, 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 I play to feed my kids to pay my rent. Right. He's like, I, I, he's like, I don't, I don't grind it out because I, I don't have the balls to take a chance. I play for money. Like, yeah. If that- you're, if you were gonna play poker, you had to get that ingrained in your fucking head. Like, otherwise you'd just be like anybody else out there burning through cash just to sit down and play at a table. Yeah. It's a great contrast. Cause you can see Matt Damon is the, he's got another life. Like I know he dropped out of law school or whatever, but like he's still got that path in front of him. You know what I mean? Like he's clearly smart enough to get into law school and you can tell that this is just a, you know, this is just a thrill for him. This is like bungee jumping for him almost. And like, yeah, Totoro has that great moment where he's like, you think I've never like, like, no, I like, I'm not taking these big risks. Cause yeah. Like, cause I'm feeding my fucking family. Like I'm like, I'm grinding this shit out. It's my fucking job. Like this is a, this is a side gig to you where you like, you know, get your dick hard from, you know, going straight at people. But like, this is my life, you know, like 
Yeah, it was such a great scene. Yeah, and a movie filled with great scenes like that. Yeah, dude, man, I'm so glad you liked it. Yeah, because I remember us, we talked about it a while back and you told me you'd never seen it. I just assumed you would probably never watch it because it's just one of those movies where like, it's either on your radar or it's not, so... Nah, man. I uh, no. I knew it was one of your one of your one of your favorite movies, but it's just one of those things. You know, it's just you never get around to that shit. And then, uh, pun intended. Uh, but you never get around <laughs> to that. You never get around to that shit. And then, like, I, I saw it mentioned somewhere, and I was like, ah, I gotta watch that. And so I just fired it up, and it was uh, it was great, man. Yeah, I, I I loved it. Um. Yeah. God. So good. Yeah. Yeah. If you haven't seen Rounders, guys, watch it. It used to be on Netflix. I don't know if it still is, but uh. But find a way to watch it and do it because you will not regret it. Um, yeah, I'm kind of glad we had that much conversation because I'll be honest with you, I don't know how much meat there's going to be on this bone, guys. Uh, for for Gertrude, uh, a pick by Jacob, uh, Carl Theodore Dreyer. It's about a woman, uh, basically, uh, she ends her marriage and you see who she's having an affair with, who happens to be this composure, composer, and you see who she used to be married to. So you kind of see like three phases of Gertrude's life. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. This doesn't happen very often. I can actually count on probably one hand, the amount of times this has happened over the course of, of what are we going on three years for this podcast or two? I've obviously, I've I've lost all track of time. Coming up will be three. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is, this is one of those rare times where I did not like this movie at all. Hmm, interesting uh so why don't you tell us a little bit about it have you seen it before you picked it did you want to pick it specifically to watch it and discuss it like what what's going on yeah i i'd seen it before um you know dreyer is kind of an interesting director because um he didn't make movies very often and he's he's not really uh, I don't know. I kind of wanted to do this because we'd never done a Dreyer episode and we've been kind of taking a break from director episodes. And we had previously talked about two of his movies, uh, Passion of Joan of Arc and Orday, um, which I think that's how you pronounce Orday. I don't know. Um, but, Those are two brilliant films. Like, brilliant, right, right. Especially, especially Joan of Arc. Yeah. And I knew you would like those. And so that's why I was like, oh, yeah, let's do the other you know, the, the third kind of uh, canonical uh, Dreyer movie. You know, after this, it would probably be Vampire, which is really good, and um, uh, maybe Day of Wrath or maybe Master of the House. But these are the three main ones that I feel like most people talk about. And um, and I don't know. I think he's a really interesting director because he doesn't get a lot of the the kind of love, even among, like, art house circles. You know what I mean? Like, Tarkovsky is a much sexier filmmaker than he is. You know what I mean? Like more inscrutable and more, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, he's not even a favorite in the art house circuit. I feel like his, his movies are just so austere. He reminds me of Bresson. Uh, his movies are just so austere and so kind of, uh, technically exacting, you know, and he's not, um, he's not doing that to provide like a, a beautiful or arresting image in the way that like Tarkovsky or even someone like Kubrick would, you know, with these like bold compositions or whatever, like he's, he's after something different. And again, I think the Brisson comparison is, is a good one, but yeah. So we've talked about passion of Joan of Arc, which is obviously a silent movie. Um, but then he would go on to make completely different kind of, or, or day and 
um, and this movie, Gertrude, are completely different, like, than Passion of Joan of Arc. This is his late style. Um, and Orday and, uh, and, th- and this movie, Gertrude, are his last two movies. Um, and this was a guy who thought a lot about st- cinematic style. And he wrote a lot of essays, and he wrote a lot of, and again, similar to Tarkovsky, similar to Bresson, really tried to um, put a lot of thought into what is being shown on screen. And that is putting it too gently, like putting more than enough thought. Like he, he talked about how like, you know, horizontal lines in cinema are, uh, are appealing to the eye. You know, think of like a landscape or like the horizon in a movie, you know, and and the camera moving from left to right across the horizon, you know, and how beautiful that is. And we just we just look at it and go, wow, that's beautiful. And that's don't even really know why it just strikes us that way. And then he talks about how vertical lines are, you know, rep, like uh, they, they tell the human eye that there is something wrong. Something, something wrong is happening. We don't like looking at them, you know, prison bars, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and, and that's just one, that's just one excerpt from an essay that he wrote where he talks about those two things. Um, but like, he was really, really exacting, uh, filled his movies with a lot of allusions to other art. There's, uh, an Edward Monk, uh, painting in, in, in what, in Gertrude. Um, and there's a lot of different allusions to that. Um, he was working on a story of the life of Jesus uh, for which he was learning Hebrew. That's a true story. He was learning Hebrew, uh, which he thought he had to do before he tackled a, a movie about Jesus. And he never made a movie that he didn't have uh, not just complete creative control over, but that he didn't feel like he was able to execute to his absolute vision, right? Like if, if he if he thought that there was like a camera angle or something that was impossible, it wasn't like a, Oh, we'll work around this. It was like a, no, I'm not going to make this fucking movie. You know, like, like that's how, like, <laughs> that's how exact he was. And part of his method, it, it wasn't also, it also, it wasn't just a Hitchcock thing. It wasn't like, you know, Hitchcock being bored during the making of the film. Cause he had already planned everything out. No, he had a process where he would plan everything out. And then he would like throw it away the morning of the shoot and start fresh. And that was like part of his process. You know, it was, he had a very exacting, demanding way that he made these movies and every shot, every glance, every, just everything is so calculated and so uh, thought out, I guess, is is the right word for it. Um, So yeah, I don't know. That's just a way of introduction. But yeah, that's the general plot of the movie. This is the kind of Anna Karenina tale, a very common trope in fiction of a woman, uh, or Madame Bovary is another example, a, a woman who leaves um, her stable, boring married life to uh, hopefully experience some kind of uh, transcendent love or something that she's missing, and it turns out to not be there. And that is, of course, a grand tragedy, right? That That this woman sacrificed everything for X and then X doesn't end up, she doesn't end up getting X, you know? And, um, so yeah, I, I, I'd seen this and 
thought it would be fun to rewatch. Um, I don't know. I guess what what didn't you like about it, or what didn't like? Is this? A, I'm curious when you say you didn't like it. Like, is this like a? I think as a work of art, this kind of sucks and is objectionable or whatever. Or is this a kind of like, yeah, I don't know, man, just didn't didn't do it for me. You know, like I'm I'm interested to see which I don't know what or probably some mixture of both of those things. Um, yeah, yeah, and my so so. This is not one of those times where I'm going to say, yeah, maybe I'm missing something mm. uh, and, and give the movie the benefit of the doubt. This is one of those times where it's like, yeah, I just it didn't do it for me. It doesn't work for me. I don't think I'm missing anything. I just think it's one of those where you're either going to like it or you're going to not like there's not sure to, to me. There's not a ton of layers to it. Um, yeah. Not yeah. When only, you say that, I was like, yeah, not a lot to miss. It's, it's all right there. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and what's interesting is I didn't the only like it was interesting for the first like say 20 tw- maybe 20 minutes like you you open up with with her and her husband and the mother-in-law comes over but then she just fucking lays it all out there right and she just tells this guy like it's not working for me like this is it's, it's fucking tough like you know it's a very it's a very draining scene there's a lot going on and What's interesting is there was a few scenes like that, including the one right before the very end. There's another really long scene. And I was not surprised to find out this was based on a play. Right. Because there are a lot of long theater pieces that you would only find in plays, but clearly this was a motion picture. So I wasn't surprised by that once I found out because it actually made a lot of sense. But right. after that, I after the scene. one of those scene, takes is like 10 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think the the one the one closest to the end where she's telling her previous lover, yeah, um, like that's a long fucking take, like that's a really long scene, yeah. And um, I, I guess it just loses any tension that was in it for me, like anything in the world after she tells her husband that because I just I have no interest in her relationship with the composer. And it did pick up my interest a bit more once she starts talking to her previous husband uh, and kind of going, hashing that out, how he found out about the younger guy, how the younger guy was bragging about lovers and stuff like that was interesting a little bit. Um, But outside of that, I just had a real hard time just giving a fuck about this lady. Like I, I really did. Like I struggled with caring about the character and what, she wanted. I understand what the movie was trying to do. And there are some parts that's sad and chilling. And, you know, obviously there's, there's in from a humanistic perspective, there was some there, but for me, dude, it just, uh, it just missed the mark. Like if you, if you look at the three we've watched, like this isn't even in the same league as Orday or Joan of Arc to me, not even close. I agree with that. I, I agree with that. I, uh, you know, I think I'm, you know, I, I'd seen it before. So I think, I think like, I, I knew this wasn't like, you know, like I wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to rewatch this. I was, I was more in the space of like, I can't wait for us both to rewatch this and then talk about it. You know what I mean? Like if I had, if I'd loved this movie, I would have seen it again before now. So yeah, this is not like a favorite of mine or anything, but I, I do think it's interesting to, you know, it's interesting you say that about the structure of it because you're right. The structure of it is very uh, anticlimactic, but like times three, like there are three anticlimaxes, right? It's like, you know, when we think of good storytelling, what we're talking about is tension. We're talking about like, oh, where's this going to go? Right. And 
that's why I think the first like 20 minutes or so are so, um, so captivating. Cause it's like, Oh shit, where's this going to go? You know? And then it's just like, Oh, it falls apart very quickly. And there's just kind of that scene. And then it's like, Oh, well, she's got the young guy. Where's this going to go? And it falls apart quickly, you know? Oh, well, she's back at this other lover. Where's this going to go? And it falls apart. You know, it's just like a three part, just like, uh, inciting incident. And then Dano Ma, you know, like it just, you know, it's a really interesting structure. It's just almost like a roller coaster. And if you're not, uh, if you're not kind of invested, well, I don't even, I wouldn't even say that if you're not invested, I I don't think it's that compelling of a storyline, you know? And I think it's, I, I think it's really, you know, especially like look at the other, okay, look at the other two movies, right? Or Day, I think is captivating on a completely different level than this movie, right? Like the ending of Orday is one of the most transcendent moments in cinema history. Like, like, Oh, absolutely. Like that shit is, that shit is like, make you stand up and salute in the theater, you know, like, uh, and passion of Joan of Arc is interesting because it is also about a woman, a woman who is basically life is falling apart. But in Passion of Joan of Arc, she is a saint. She is a saint who is trying to um, help the French out, and they are murdering her for it. They are brutally uh, killing her. And we get to see her, like, transcend, you know, humanity and become a saint, quite literally, on screen. But Gertrude, this woman is not a saint. Uh, She's barely likable. We don't, you know, we don't really know enough about her. We know that her marriage is probably boring, but, like, does that justify all of her actions? You know what I mean? Probably not, you know? And so it's just like, no, it's just like, here's uh, an hour and a half of a woman kind of destroying her life. Like, (laughs) and it's like, yeah, I can see how that's a tough hang. You know what I mean? It's a tough hang. But I think what is attractive about it for me, at least on this rewatch, is just seeing the methodical attention to detail and these long takes and this, it, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me maybe of like what John Cassavetes thinks he's doing, you know, <laughs> like it, it's just so like, like, like all of the, the emotion of that 10 minute long scene, you know, looking at her face, looking at the way the camera is shifting, looking at the, the shapes on screen. It almost becomes like a, it almost becomes like kind of a half of an abstract painting where you're just like, at a certain point, I'm almost admiring just the, or like a spaghetti Western. Like at a certain point, I'm just admiring the shapes on screen and I'm admiring the, the, the way that the camera is moving ever so slightly. And does that make sense? It's almost like an appreciation of craft as opposed to like getting involved in this story. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally get that. No, and I and I agree. Like just mainly seeing how he's going to construct this, where he chooses to pull your attention during these long takes and and just letting these actors do their job. So I mean, no, I I 100% uh can see that and agree. And I think that's also one way to watch a movie. Like right. cuz the movie's very well done, clearly. Right. So Yeah, like like uh, an example of that I think for me at least was um during that 10 minute long scene, there's a way that he stages the characters where they are both kind of like you see her, but he is behind her and he almost looks like he is like a, 
a head popping off of her shoulder. It almost looks like a two-headed human, you know? Yeah. It's it's a really, really strange way. Like, when, when you think about it, you know, like, you we watch a lot of movies, and, you know, you're used to, you know, seeing how, you know, shots are constructed or whatever. When you look at it, you're like, my God, are we really... Are we really getting 10 minutes of this very strange uh, shape on screen? Like, it, you can really barely tell what's going on. But then, like, that that turns into, oh, okay, well, what does this mean? Or what is this indicating? Or what is this, what is different about this? Why is it different, you know? And that, yeah, like you said, it's a different way of watching a movie. Other than, like, you know, <laughs> I'll say this. I think the, the quote-unquote story of uh, the Chantal Ackerman movie we watched, Jean Delman, is more interesting than this story. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, and that woman just like cooks and cleans for three hours, you know, like, uh, but there's like a sense of foreboding that something is about to happen. And of course it eventually does. Whereas in this, it's just like, nah, man, just these people are talking and this woman's like ruining her life slowly, but surely, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. That know. was another thing. It's like, I, I... I struggled because even that movie you just mentioned that was long and, and, and not a lot happened, but there was still something there that was relatable about just trying to work, pay the bills, doing what you got to do, the monotony of life, et cetera, et cetera. Like the walls closing in on you, you get all that shit. Right. There was nothing relatable about Gertrude. Like you come from wealth. You're clearly wealthy. You you're bored with life. A lot of us are, you have issues and your relationship. A lot of people do. So like, but that's where it stops because then she just continues to make these stupid decisions. And it's like, Oh, you're surprised this young, handsome composer wasn't all he was cracked up to be when you're dating someone that's like 20 years, you're like, like younger than you. Um, right. And it's just like, it's just, I don't, I didn't care. I just, I didn't care because Gertrude, like what you have, you had a husband who, from what we saw wasn't abusive on any level. And maybe he wasn't the most attentive, but if he doesn't do what he's doing, you probably can't have the life he had. You have. Right. So it's really just interesting when you're like, well, what the fuck, who am I supposed to root for? Like, right. Because none of these dudes seem like bad dudes, except for the one you could say bragging about lovers. But I mean, the two, the two gentlemen, the one she was married to and the one she used to be married to, they didn't seem like bad dudes. They seemed to genuinely love her. So it's like, why, right. why do I care, Gertrude? No, it's it's a good point. It, well, it's also like, she almost is like, unlikable isn't even the word. It's almost just kind of like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. What the fuck are you doing, lady? You know, and like, a lot of the movie is taken up with her talking about being miserable. And like, yeah, yeah, no, I see what you're saying, where it's just like, she's not, a, it's not even that she's not very likable. It's that she's just kind of like, almost hateable in a way um i don't know and then you know in, in the classic you know and also this is something you know when you think about it that that trope that i talked about of the woman you know leaving her you know more secure life or whatever for you know um something better that trope works in fiction very well because we get access to the person's thoughts right like it's a it's a novel so we like we get access to the person's thoughts and you can build a lot more story around there, but you know, there's not a lot more to this movie other than that. You know what I mean? Cause it's a, you know, I think it's like an hour 40 or something. Like it's a, it's a relatively short movie and like, that's all we really get. Like there's no space for, 
for anything else. And so maybe that's an indication of why that trope hasn't worked as well in cinema as it does in like classical novels, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. An interesting movie to say the least. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's not like, like while I did dislike it, it's not one of those movies I regret watching, but it is one of those movies I can safely say I will never watch again. And I don't know if I can recommend it. I guess if you're a completionist and this is like the last few, one of the last few movies left to watch that Dreyer did, or if you just like movies like this that are a bit more on the slow side and, and not really character examination, just kind of cruising along. Maybe it's for you. I don't know. Clearly it has an audience. A lot of people consider it to be a, a, a masterpiece of a final movie. I don't know. I'm not one of those people. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I also think, you know, the final movie of a director's career usually gets a lot of, a lot of attention, um, sometimes rightly and sometimes wrongly. Um, yeah. I mean, this would definitely be a recommend for me. I mean, it, because I think I can imagine, I can imagine a person being completely taken with this and being like, oh my God, I am Gertrude or, you know what I mean? And similar to the way that we talked about five easy pieces last week of like, I can picture somebody watching five easy pieces and being like this motherfucker, like, why do I care about this motherfucker? You know, like, you know, a portrait of kind of like isolation and a portrait of, uh, well, you know, all the shit that we talked about on, uh, on the five easy pieces episode. And I can picture, uh, I can, I can picture somebody watching this and it just hitting home on a completely different level. You know what I mean? Jesus lives in your heart or he doesn't, you know, Gertrude, lives in your heart or she doesn't and like i can see someone really identifying with it or it being really moving especially if you're open to you know kind of boring mid-century art house fair you know like especially if you're open to that kind of movie which you know most of us are then i can see it really hitting home but i can also see like yeah like this is not like you either get it or you don't and i'm not saying i do i i definitely um Maybe get it is the wrong word, but it either hits home or it doesn't. And it definitely doesn't hit home with me, but I can definitely see how some people would watch this. And it really, really, you know, hit home for them. But I, but I'm, I'm with you mostly. Like, I, I'm more positive, I think, about it than you are just because I really respect Dreyer. And I'm like, you know what, man, you should probably watch it because there's something. Dreyer is a genius and there may be something in here, you know. But if somebody watched this on my recommendation and was like, uh, yeah, that movie fucking sucked. I'd be like, yeah, well, I can't argue with you. You know, like it's, it is what it is, you know? Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, not a lot, not a lot to talk about with Gertrude, I guess. Um, yeah, no, there's, there's not, but I mean, I do think it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's one of those movies, man. Like glad to watch, like you got it, you watched it. It's another, kind of blind spot filled in from from a from a master director so hey you know it is what it is it made me want to watch our day is what it made me do um yeah i've been wanting to rewatch that movie as well it's uh or day is like on the andre rublev it's like i feel like it's just like just for the boys you know what i mean it's just it's like the it's like the uh you know the hangover or something but for like like movie nerds it's like yeah man i gotta I gotta fire up or day later. That movie fucking owns, you know. Um, 
Yeah, long overdue for a for a Blu-ray release, I think, or day. Criterion really needs to 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 release a, a nice version of this because you can kind of see the uh, Gertrude is similar. You can kind of see that that a restoration hasn't really been done of it lately. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, shout out Dreyer. I don't know, uh, Vampire is another one. I would recommend that to you uh, because of your interest in vampires. But that was one he made in the '30s, way before this this late style took hold. And uh, I think it's 32. Um, and that's, uh, that's a great kind of like early, like horror movie. That's really fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Shout out Carl Theodore Dreher. Uh, you were a weird guy and you didn't make very many movies. So, you know. Um, I don't know much about him, but uh, sure. Same to, same to Dreher from me. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, so... let's. That's that then. <laughs> I uh, I did not tell you this. Uh, I wanted to announce it on the pod. I am picking the next movie, and uh, oh, it shit. is going to be a John. It's going to be a John Houston classic. I will allow you one guess, but I don't want to take up too much of the listener's time. Okay, one well, guess to see if you can get it. One guess. Okay, gosh, there's so many John Houston classics. Going you have on. five seconds. Five seconds. Hey. Hey, we're not here to waste the listener's time. Five seconds. Okay, five seconds. Treasure the Sierra Madre. No. Okay. Asphalt Jungle. Dude, hell yeah. I just bought this on Blu-ray. I just got the Criterion. You did? Well, I that's did. awesome. Yeah. Okay. Early performance yeah, from dude. Marilyn Monroe. Dude, I'm fucking pumped, dude. This movie is so good. Yeah, so guys, watch if you want. It is on the Criterion. Uh, which I came across it when I was watching um, Gertrude, and I was like, fuck yeah, I want to do that one. So, yes, yeah, a classic noir. I've only seen it once, so I'm looking forward to rewatching um, Sterling Hayden. Uh, Marilyn Monroe is based on a great book. So, yeah, Asphalt Jungle, next episode, guys. Yeah, I get it mixed up with the killing a lot because of the, the ending. Because of, Ster- of Sterling Hayden? Yeah, because of Sterling Hayden. And. Yeah. So yeah, I've only seen it once. I'm really, really looking forward to diving back in. Yeah, great choice, man. I'm excited. Fuck yeah, dude. Next episode, guys. So anyway, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? No, let's wrap it up. Guys, don't forget, rate and review wherever you listen. Those reviews really help the algorithm, so we would appreciate it. And uh, hit us up on Twitter. JC runs that, or Jacob, as he's known on the podcast, runs that. So uh, follow us on there. If, if anything gets tweeted that you don't like, it wasn't me, so I don't care. Um, so yeah, do that guys. And, uh, I really hope you haven't been tweeting. I, I really should check. I really don't know what you do on there. Um, uh, I'm I, just distracted by the fact that you called me JC. You know, this is, this give me flashbacks, man. I like this, you know? Yeah. It's weird on the podcast. Uh, I, I call him Jacob. So no one gets confused. Jonathan and Jacob's easier, but he has been known as JC to me for uh, half of my life. So Anyway. I like it. I like it. I don't like being called Jacob. It's so, you know, so formal. Yeah, yeah your formal Christian name. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, guys, thanks for listening. I uh, hope you enjoyed this discussion. And uh, let us know if you've seen any of these movies. Hit us up on Twitter or any of that and uh, tell us what you thought about them. Especially Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I'm very curious. But uh, anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week here at the Silver Screen Video. <laughs>
have returned for another week and another episode. The world is still on fire. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about that. Jonathan Jacob. How you doing, Jacob? Is your neck of the woods still on fire or underwater or whatever the fuck's going on in Kentucky? <laughs> what an opening. <laughs> what an opening to a podcast. <laughs> Uh, you're right maybe maybe we should nix that opening no no i like it i like it let's keep it in you know no i think we i think we should nix it (laughs) jesus christ man Uh, your energy was like 